Welcome to 3 to Play DLC. With DLC, we want to explore topics that break off from the normal 3 to Play games format, giving us a chance to bring you new gaming content. This week, we're taking a retrospective look at video game titles that seem to have been lost in time. Whether it's a AAA release that underperformed or an iconic retro title that was left behind, we're here to discuss in detail why these games have disappeared. And to kick this miniseries off, we'll be covering 2009's Eat Lead, The Return of Mad Hazard. And here to discuss this game is... Josh and Tom. Hey everyone. So what makes this mini-series different than a lot of the things that we do on 3-to-play games is we actually have a sickness in the group. So me and Tom decided to actually sit down and go over a game that we have not talked about or played in a really long time. Um, we're hoping to make this an ongoing thing, even with the group uh, back together once Brian's done. Uh, being cured of his sickness. Uh, <laughs> we're going to sit down, we're going to talk about you know video games and from beginning to end and how it... Uh, affected or didn't affect anything at all <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah what we were most curious about when we decided to start this is just kind of those those middle tier games that that aren't critically acclaimed and universally beloved masterpieces but are also not the notorious bombs that are easy to point and laugh at we're looking for those games that kind of came and went you know Absolutely. So we figured after going through an entire list of games that we had lined up that we both really, really wanted to talk about Eat Lead, The Return of Matt Hazard. Yeah. Um, because it has been, well, it's a game. It's it a is a game. Def- <laughs> <laughs> when, when was the uh, last time that you played this, Tom? I played it around its release date. Um, so it's been, it's almost been a decade since this game came out. And I just think it's really interesting giving what the game was interested in exploring and the manner in which it went about it, how it's not, it kind of has just disappeared, you know? It's it's a little baffling to me. I don't know. I'm surprised. Now, there was a sequel released to it later, mm-hmm. a little bit after, I think, the re- actual release of the game, which, it when when was this released? Because I, I have the, the, I know I graduated high school. Yeah. So, yeah uh, like, after this came out. Yeah, so for... The uninitiated will just break it down. Uh, so Eat Lead, The Return of Matt Hazard, was released in February of 2009, on the 26th specifically, and it's a third-person shooter. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty much an over-the-shoulder shooter, very similar to like Gears of War. Yes, yes. And specifically, Eat Lead is a fourth-wall-breaking action game focused on a washed-up gaming character named Matt Hazard. And Matt is trying to reclaim his fame after a massive wave of love and success in the 1990s as one of the most popular video games era followed by a period where he just hit rock bottom and was washed up so eat lead finds him trying to enter the modern gaming landscape in a brand new action game only to find that something isn't right and his very existence may be on the line yeah so a little history on matt hazard he like Tom was saying, he's a legendary game hero uh, who was returning to glory after 25 years after his debut. And he started off as like a side-scrolling uh, 8-bit action hero on like the retro consoles and then proceeded to go up where he found fame in the 3D world, which let's let's call it like it is. It's pretty, He's pretty much Duke Nukem. Oh, absolutely. They're not afraid of hiding <laughs> the references. I mean, what I thought was interesting is that uh, his... 8-bit games that they detail, they look like Contra, and then he moves into the Duke Nukem mold. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, as you said, 
it's a game that doesn't disguise its references. When you see Matt Hazard interacting with somebody or you see the game introducing a concept, right away you're like, oh, I know exactly what you're taking a shot at. Yes, absolutely. I mean, even from some of the villains, which we're going to get into in a little bit, Mm -hmm. uh, one of his biggest nemesis in the game to some of the bosses in the game that just... (laughs) How do I... Rip off every other type of franchise that's out there. Yes. Um, I mean, I remember watching the first trailer, and it was done kind of as like a behind-the-music spoof that started off with him going from the 8-bit to modern consoles. And then I think in the trailer he was talking about how how he took control of his own games, and then he was doing things like uh, hazmat carts, which is the <laughs> like the Mario Kart or... Uh, Crash Bandicoot Racing and stuff like that version of his games. And then there was uh, the spy thriller that he did. You only live 1,317 times. (laughs) The Nightmare of the Biosphere, which is the survival horror, which if you look at the 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 artwork to it, it was Bioshock. Bioshock. I know. It's great. (laughs) It's so good. Um, Yeah. And then he had like a fantasy adventure game and stuff too. So it was like Mm -hmm. he... And all these things too, which is really awesome. He mentions all of this and it all gets incorporated somehow into the game yes uh yes. through whether it's villains or whether it's characters that he has to save or talk to um it was very creative of knowing like knowing that it's a it, it's a character breaking the fourth wall breaking the fourth wall at the same time it's 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 several layers of just meta humor stacked on top of each other mm-hmm. both in that everyone's aware that they're a video game character and they're aware of the larger video game industry, but also that the game is using all these fourth wall breaking gags to provide commentary on the state of what gaming was in 2009, the trends, the ideas and everything like that. So it's, it's several layers of commentary wrapped in itself. And it's, it's pretty amusing beginning to end in my opinion. So the people who developed this game is called Vicious Cycle Software. Mm-hmm. And I was doing some research into them just to see what type of games. Because this was like, it was it, fo- it followed the suit of all the third-person action over-the-shoulder games. Uh, very similar to Kill Switch and like I mentioned earlier, uh, Gears of War. But I was looking to see what other games that they made. and Well, what other games they developed. And they were known for Dora the Explorer and the Purple Planet. The Curious <laughs> George game. <laughs> flushed away and a whole bunch of ben 10 games that came out well, so were this, they still called vicious cycle when they were publishing the dora games that, i i mean that's from what i'm seeing here and what i all the research that i did uh that's what they popped up as it's oh, like man. all the previous games that they worked on and i'm like are you kidding me i want to like, play a dora game just to see like you know vicious cycle presents dora I, <laughs> you know i actually <laughs> have uh dora and the purple planet on the gamecube uh, in my game room, so I'm, I'm not going to ask why. I but... probably have to do. <laughs> it was at a yard sale. I got it. It was a key. If I see a GameCube game, I need to get a GameCube game because they're very few and far between nowadays. D3 Publisher was the company that actually published the game, and once again, looking at their their line of games, it was like really crazy. They really love their Ben 10 games. That's all I'm going to tell you. These teams must have worked together to make every single Ben 10 game that came out. Uh, but then they also made Dark Sector, which Dark Sector was very similar to the style of gameplay that Eat Lead was. Yeah. And then you had other games like the Marvel Puzzle Quest, which, I mean, I, I think that's on 
your smartphones and stuff. Uh, yeah. They made a couple of your Adventure Time games. But this is the shocker of the two, of all those games, I'm sorry. Uh, they made Bioshock 2. Oh, they published Bioshock 2 in Japan. Oh. Yeah, only That's the cool. Japanese version of Bioshock 2, though. I wonder what's so different about it that it required a whole different publisher beyond 2K, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I, I have no idea, but yeah, that's just some of the, the little things about the development side of, of the game. So it's crazy that uh, D3 Publisher and Vicious Cycle Software just came together to make a game like this. Completely out of their their realm of games that they're used to making or what they're known for. And then they go ahead and they get an actual cast of characters for this game. Now, it's not a huge crazy cast. Uh, there's only like three extremely noticeable names or recognizable names in it. What did you think of the cast, Tom? Well, I was impressed that they managed to get uh, Will Arnett and Neil Patrick Harris, especially Neil Patrick Harris at the time. He was on the rise uh, with his, after 2004, when Harold and Kumar had him in that little cameo, he kind of blew up with How I Met Your Mother. So the late 2000s were just this period of Neil Patrick Harris was the comedic get of the industry. So him being the villain in this game, I thought that was pretty interesting. And uh, Will Arnett, I think history is going to show that beyond his incredible work in Arrested Development, Will Arnett's greatest strength is voice acting. Uh, Bojack, mm-hmm. Bojack Horseman, I think, cements that. But I think it's... I think he does some pretty pretty amusing work here. He instills Matt with a lot of character, and um, he really nails the type of character cliches that Matt Hazard is trying to embody. Yeah, when I was going back and I was do, uh, looking over some things for this game, you can tell that there is a lot of Lego Batman. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm darkness. just listening to him, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, like it's the same voice. Now, Grant, it's just Will Arnett's voice, pretty much, uh, just in a little bit more sarcastic manner here and there. Right. But, I mean, it, it's pretty much, like, the Lego Batman voice that he's doing in this entire game, which, if it works, you know, by all means, hey, do it. Ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, with that being said... Let's talk about Matt Hazard's adventure. Uh, his not his not his first adventure, but the first adventure we were able to play through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Matt, the game starts off with Matt Hazard uh, starring in his newest game, which is as a no nonsense detective who plays by his own rules, mm. which is like the most. He's got street smarts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think the first level he went, starts he went to off the school of hard knocks. Yeah. <laughs> He's a loose cannon cop on the edge, pretty Ooh. much. Uh, the first level starts off as you're in a Japanese steakhouse, which when you see the it zooms out of him, it looks very similar to Hitman and Splinter mm-hmm. Cell mm-hmm. and all those games that were big around that time frame when this got released. But about halfway through the level, you encounter the first crazy character, uh, which was Sony Tang. Yeah. <laughs> really playing up the uh, 70s era black exploitation action character types yeah yeah he's a 70s inspired kung fu villain he had the uh like the tiger robe on and Mm -hmm. head bandana with the afro sticking out of it and everything it's like okay so you're going extremely cliche okay all right what one thing i did like when playing through it though like it's an action adventure kind of an action adventure game but it's it's a a straight-up action shooter where you don't see any blood in the entire game. Oh, that's interesting. Did you notice I didn't, that? I didn't. I didn't actually notice that. Well, I did. 
Um, in terms of like content, I did notice like when I was uh, just going over stuff in replaying for this episode, while it plays up being a kind of a parody of those purposely vulgar games like Duke Nukem, the characters in the game are both kind of like uh, self-censored in a way. Like at mm-hmm. one point in the game later, uh, Matt goes to beat somebody up and the you don't you don't see the fight and you see a little block of text that says uh, too violent to show. So oh, yeah, like my God. on you commenting I, yeah. yeah, on you commenting that there was no blood, it's like, huh, this is supposed to be a parody of uh, you know, blood and guts action games that doesn't actually have a lot of blood. That's interesting. Yeah, so like when you're shooting people, like their body parts are like glitching and like like there's like coating and stuff like that that's spraying out of them and stuff. So I thought that was really cool because yeah, it's not blood, but it's it's working with the game that he knows that he's a video game character so Mm -hmm. when he's shooting people he's not seeing blood he's actually seeing the coating disappear from the person which i thought that was actually creative Mm -hmm. uh on their on their side uh but when you get halfway through and it was really cool like you're okay you're shooting these you know mob bosses and this guy here and this and so on and like cooks and people who this steakhouse is apparently sending after you to destroy the game starts to glitch out um, and you start noticing like your things that you're supposed to be hiding behind actually start glitching into other things or walls start moving around and and whatnot. And then you you run into pretty much your first like the I would say the main villain of the game. I'd say he's the he's the jaws to the main villain, like okay. you know what I mean like he's yeah. the he's the heavy. Who introduces himself as your worst nightmare, except in the daytime when you're not asleep. The eloquent phrasing of Sting Sniperscope, yes. <laughs> Who also has an eloquent name. <laughs> Prepared to begin your death. <laughs> you didn't do it in you didn't do it with the Arnold accent uh, that they yeah. give him in the game though. <laughs> Which, once again, going right back to the game knowing that it's making parodies of everything and anything. Mm-hmm. Sting Skyper uh man sting sniper scope which is gonna take me a while to get used to saying <laughs> throughout this uh, entire podcast is pretty much an entire ripoff of everything 80s about arnold schwarzenegger yes and uh what i also think is interesting about sting's character is that i i found that he was very intentionally supposed to be a parody of uh raiden from middle gear solid 2 mm-hmm. in that he's an unexpected new protagonist who takes the place of the expected main character and even throughout the game, as you continue to encounter Sting, he keeps reappearing with uh, enhanced body upgrades. The way that when Raiden would come back in subsequent Metal Gear Solid games, he would just be this crazy cyborg ninja with new things and everything. So they were totally just taking pot shots at Raiden and how he was introduced and what ended up becoming of that character. As he's, he's getting ready to shoot you um, because he's more powerful than you are and he's mm-hmm. a better version of you and he's who's supposed to be taking over. Uh, The game kind of pauses, but Matt is still able to move around, and that's when you get introduced to pretty much your sidekick throughout the entire game, QA, pretty much informing him that he was supposed to die and be replaced by Sniper Scope. Yeah, it is uh, pretty much Metal Gear Solid 2, which, when did Metal Gear Solid 2 come out? 2001. Oh, okay, so it's... And Metal Gear Solid 4 had been out... They're really riding on that joke. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid 4 had also been out for a year at that point. So, again, like I said, with with Sting, he's completely supposed to be a Raiden. Yeah, yeah. And with with QA, I think it's interesting to also point out that 
as we mentioned earlier, its references are very on the nose, and QA is Cortana from the Halo series. Yeah, I was thinking Cortana. I was also thinking Otacon. True. Oh, because yep, because the character her her costume design. Yeah, a female. Yeah, if Otacon. you look if you look at the way she is, you know, nerdy person, glasses. You know, the way that you, it, it's kind of a mix between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. But and she, of course, is uh, presented as kind of the uh, annoyed girlfriend trope, where uh, she's really eager to support you and like, you know, make sure you go all the way. But like, she's always like, Oh Matt, like, Oh, don't, don't make that joke. You know, like, uh, don't call me babe. Yeah. Yeah. And don't worry. He, he does it mm-hmm. multiple times throughout the entire game. So you won't, he does He, he doesn't listen. Cause <laughs> he's a rascal. <laughs> I noticed when I was playing through though, when did you read anything on the loading screens? Well, there, there was always little cute gags on the loading screens that I enjoyed. Uh, what caught your eye in particular, though? So when he first says it's hazard time. Yeah. Which is his, which is his, his catchphrase that he's in love with, but everyone seems pretty annoyed by. Yeah, it, 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 don't, it, it hasn't aged too well. <laughs> when I heard it, I was like, I, I get exactly what you're going for, but please don't keep saying it. But he, he does. But after he says it, it goes to a loading screen, and it said, it hazard, It's Hazard Time was first used by pro golfer Panther Irons when he sliced into a lake in the game Caddy Hack. <laughs> and nice. I'm like, okay, now you're just grasping for everything you could possibly get. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So we've met QA now, so where does that take us in the air? What do we discover when we meet QA? Uh, so with QA... You, she starts to, it starts to unravel the story a little bit more where there is, oh man, what was it? It was Wallace. Wally Wellesley. Wally, Wally, Wallace, Wally Wellesley. Wallace, Wally Wellesley. Triple dubs. Yeah. Triple, triple W, which is voiced by Neil Patrick Harris, which he is the son of a guy who owned a game company. He took over it. And he wants to pretty much destroy Matt Hazard. Yes, because, and I think is one of the most interesting parts of the game. So Matt Hazard is the star character, the star franchise of this company. And Matt is signed to a lifetime contract with this company, um, the company being called Monolith Megasoft, which is a play on several different game publishers. But mm-hmm. um so Wally hates Matt because he wants to have he wants to get rid of him. Uh, he has his personal reasons where he always thought that Matt Hazard's games were too hard and that was a slight against him. But he wants to remove Matt from these franchises. But due to the lifetime video game character contract that Matt has, he cannot be removed from the games unless he is permanently killed within them. And what I think is super fascinating about that is that it implies. As you were kind of picking up on earlier when um, you mentioned the manner in which characters die in this game, mm-hmm. the stars of video games in this universe are apparently sentient beings with rights and laws that apply to them and keep them like legally safe from things. Yeah. So Wally's trying to kill Matt because Matt has a contract that gives him a right to continue having a job until he dies, <laughs> which <laughs> is just hilarious when you think about it, that like this universe has sentient video game characters with their own, like, you know, consciousness and artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. It's, it's great. I love the wackiness of like, just the things that this game just tells you and says, Hey, just go with it. Just go with it. 
Yeah, yeah. One part that I really love, though, I mean, talking about Wallace's part, and it's like, I beat every game uh, when I was the age of 12 or something like that, and the only games I couldn't beat was Matt Hazard, Hazard's game, mm-hmm. which was really nice that you have a character who actually has a reasoning for wanting to destroy the main character of the game. Yeah. Now, now how crazy and far-fetched it is, now the fact that he is going after a fictional character <laughs> that's like wanting to go after Bugs Bunny because of something he did in a cartoon. You know what I mean? It's Yeah, just... right. But like, as I was saying though, like he's doing it knowing that Matt is apparently alive to some degree or another. Like yeah. you, you can't go after Bugs Bunny because Bugs Bunny is just ink and paper. But like in this world, Bugs Bunny, if Bugs Bunny was a character in the eat led universe, he apparently was would be able to sign a contract for animated characters to have like a union or something. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. Very uh, Roger Rabbit ish. Exactly. Oh, exactly. And that goes into the end of the game a little bit, but we'll get to that then when when we yeah. work our way down. Um, level two was a basic dance club, which was very similar to Duke Nukem three. Mm-hmm. Uh, 3D. I'm sorry, Duke Nukem 3D. Uh, but level three actually was one of the levels that. I was laughing so hard in when I was playing because of Bill the Wizard. <laughs> Who has a very uh, particular celebrity accent. Yes. Uh, I won't tell you who it is. <laughs> <laughs> but you're probably familiar if you hear the voice. <laughs> and his name. And it also had my favorite weapons in the entire game, which was the the Sokums. That and the... The sniper rifle, which is mounted on an arcade sniper rifle stand, similar to those... Silent uh, Scope. Yeah, Silent Scope, which was a great (laughs) series you could typically find in movie theater arcades, but I thought that was ingenious, you know? Just completely lean into the concept. It was Mm -hmm. great. Oh, I want to talk about Sokums really quick, Mm -hmm. um, because this blew my mind. So... In the beginning of the game, when you mentioned they're showing the the behind the music rise and fall of Matt Hazard, and he talks about how he wanted to take his image in different directions, he talks about kart racing, and then he talks about the game that apparently sealed his doom, and he describes it as a non-violent water gun-based third-person shooter. And when I heard that for the first time since 2009 when I played that title, I almost pooped my pants because, <laughs> Josh... Eat yeah. led predicted Splatoon. Yes, it did. That I <laughs> I didn't think about it. I was like, I, he mentioned it earlier in the game, and I was like, okay. And then you see it in the game. I didn't even put the you know put the pieces together about Splatoon. And that's how many years before Splatoon? A full uh, a full eight years. Eight eight a years. Full, oh, oh, sorry. The first Splatoon came out in two thousand fifteen. Correct. 14 or 15. 14 or 15. So it's about it's about four, uh, five to six years. Yeah. Um, and That's insane. I was just blown away. Maybe that's where Nintendo got it from, though. <laughs> Nintendo secretly scanning <laughs> vicious cycle <laughs> games for ideas. <laughs> well, they, they made Door the Explorer uh, Purple Planet on GameCube. They already have their ins. <laughs> Miyamoto's just, like, combing through Eat Lad. He's like, gotta get, gotta get some fresh ideas. Hmm. <laughs> Nonviolent water gun based third person shooter, huh? Uh, yeah. Add some tentacles to it because we're Japanese, of course, and boom, we have a game. <laughs> uh, but yeah, after you after you get the Sokums and after you get the the best guns in any 
game like shooter game that i oh. like the the super the super soakers where he actually has to pump them like the actual <laughs> super soakers to shoot them like that's that was genius it was great the frustration I, of childhood games brought into video gaming <laughs> and then you have to go again and once once um you have to go and once again uh defeat sniper scope for the second time which he's added more armor to himself mm-hmm. but yeah that's uh, it was a very interesting level when Bill came back and shot down the the giant carrier with his his wand. Saves the day. He saves the day in the most Bill way, I would say. <laughs> boo, <laughs> boo, boo. So the game kind of repeats this bit by bit, where it introduces new characters, either for comedic effect or characters that are parodies of gaming icons, and. The next level features a comedic character that we are introduced to named uh, Dexter from the Matt and Dexter games. Yes. <laughs> Which is no correlation to Jack and Dexter. No, not at, at all. At all. At nope. all. But the level, the level itself, it is a mansion that zombies are included in. Josh, I have a quick question for you about the, the zombie level here. Yeah. Do you think that they were intentionally trying to... St- so 2009, that's when Call of Duty World at War came out, and mm-hmm. World at War featured the Nazi zombies mode, and I feel like that was the beginning of um, a kind of explosion of games that had to have some kind of zombie feature in it, you know, I feel like we saw a lot of that. So yeah. do you think Eat Lead was ahead of its time, or just they put zombies in to kind of just be like, oh, zombies are an expected cliche at this point? I honestly think it was just a ripoff of Resident Evil. Oh, it's true. That's true. A mansion, zombies. Right. Um, I mean, it's the way that it was set up that, like, yes, they're from another game coming into this game, but it was a it was really nice feature, though, because it's like, okay, you're, you're making jokes on everything so far, mm-hmm. and now you're going and doing – you're making fun of the PlayStation stuff, the Jack and Dexter, the Resident Evil. The next level, we pretty much go into making fun of another iconic game character from Microsoft's. Uh, side of things but yes even even at the end of this uh where when you run into dexter and he you find out that he's working on uh working for wallace uh, he sends the group of female androids to kill you yes which is very i mean i i thought it was very austin powers ish with the fembots oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so you have to work your way back down and then you realize uh once the portal opens up uh, to get out of the level, QA's there to save you, uh, but she's acting differently now. And Ooh, it, they introduced it, some it, mystery. It, 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 it has to be the same QA, even though she's slightly tinted red, right? Yeah, I mean, like, there can't be any reason that it wouldn't be her, even though she's also acting completely differently. Yeah, no, no. Which leads into the next level, the cruise uh, ship. A cruise ship, a carnival cruise of some, po- y- of some sort. Yes, where you meet a chef. Who is a master of his craft. He was in space. He was the master chef in space. And he's being chased by space marines. Which... Get it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're like trying to throw every little thing like, come on, you need to know this reference. You need to know this reference. If you put it together, what do you get? <laughs> I will say this is the only character parody that I felt was really weak. Mm-hmm. You kind of did more um, with them. 
yeah, everyone else just has something that's either really nailing the cliches of the of the original character or doing something at least a little bit creative, like with Bill the Wizard. But like Master Chef, he's just a regular dude who's a chef. Like <laughs> he he doesn't do anything that's like particularly Master Chief like. Yeah. Like there was no gags. Like you know what about a great gag? We never see Master Chef's face or anything. You know, it's just <laughs> hey, I'm a chef. Yeah, and, you always uh, saw him from the neck down. Yeah, seriously. But yeah, like, they don't they don't do yeah. anything with that. It was a little bit of a bummer. This um, this whole level though was pretty much just a way to prove to you that the other QA was in fact an evil QA. What? I know, but Matt wasn't fooled, and that that's what I thought was hilarious. He's like, yeah, I know, I know which one of you is the bad one. <laughs> Matt is, like, not amused by, like, anything that happens mm-hmm. in the game. Like, anytime something happens, he's just, like, I get what this is referencing. Why are you wasting my time yeah. with this? He's like, he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, you're clearly the bad one because you flirted with me. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> the game knows every type of stereotype that's happened in pop culture. Yeah. And Matt's, like, not a dummy to all of it. He's just mm-hmm. kind of, like, a a jaded self-aware guy himself so he's like eh, i get this all yeah right. can we, can we please the story, move on? the story itself starts to go all kind of it gets rushed a little bit now towards the rest of the game they go to a warehouse to find all of his items and mm-hmm. and we meet uh captain carpenter there yep. who uh is parodying a uh, iconic nintendo character i don't think you'll guess which one it is no but no. i actually th- i just thought his was pretty 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 funny probably my favorite of all the parodies just mm-hmm. because I don't know why, but the Swedish-ish accent they gave him peppered with his, like, he looks like an old man Logan version of Mario. (laughs) I don't know why. I got to keep Wait, who is this Mario you're talking about? Oh, uh, Mario Lopez, you know. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Beloved entertainment news host. When When it came to it, though, the best, the only, like, standout part of this entire level for me was when you went to... Uh, Alto Stratus, <laughs> which was clearly every every Final Fantasy protagonist rolled into one. Yes, and when you got to the, the speech through text boxes, and he's <laughs> like talking out loud to the text boxes, and he has to constantly keep hitting the button to advance it. It's great. Mm. And what I really loved about Altos's introduction too is the game completely uh taps into the style of jrpg cutscenes. like we get these dramatic angles and mm-hmm. these quick cuts like it, it knows how to nail the style of the things that it's parodying and i, I loved it it was really yeah. good yeah you get there to the end they of course taken all the weapons and kind of proceeded to the final level of the game which was the docks where you just had to fight through everything that you ran into yep everything that you ran into in the beginning of the game they pretty much threw everything at you at one shot and then you get to the final level of Sting's sniper scope. Again. Which, yes, his <laughs> third final level, which was pretty much just like a giant mech type thing that shot rays out. Yeah, like a, like a Metal Gear ray almost. Yeah. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider it something uh, that crazy. Nah, I'm sorry. I'm being ridiculous. Right, right before you get to it, though, uh, there is a really nice throwback to Wolfenstein. Mm. Uh, which was the entire like section of the the game that was done in the Wolfenstein 3D map, which I actually thought was great. I and mean, you had the Nazi zombies, or yeah, the Nazi zombies come through and they're shooting you and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, okay, like yep. <laughs> you win, you get this one because of all the the Duke Nukem references. I was waiting for something later on in the game, and I'm like, okay, I finally got what I wanted. It was just enough. 
all right, let's just continue. Then you get to the end and or you so you think. Yeah, well, the freeze frame. <laughs> the, sick, he, the 90s sitcom freeze frame where they're, yeah. la- they're laughing. <laughs> yeah, they're laughing, 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 freeze frame. And then this, the credits are scrolling and Wallace's name is pretty much on everything. If you didn't notice that, if you're reading the, the credits, there's actually like his name's on everything. And then it's like mm-hmm. the guy who got me coffee. And it was the guy in the, the cutscenes who was getting him coffee mm-hmm. and whatnot. I was like, okay. And then it then it stops. And then we go into apparently... Another last level. Sting sniper scope. Uh, Sting sniper scope is not in this one. However, nope, nope. He failed at his task. So Wally's got to do his own job. Yeah. So now Matt gets transported to. See, I've got really confused. Did he get transported to the real world, or did he get transported to a video game version of Marathon? Megasoft? The second one. He was tra- he, he he was transported to a gaming version of Marathon. Okay. Where Wally can insert an uber-powerful avatar of himself to finish Matt off once and for all. Mm-hmm. Which was the hardest part of the whole game. And I was mm-hmm. I, I gave it props because, hey, your end boss is actually really hard. Yeah, it's a culmination of everything you did. You need to bring all your skills to the table to get through. Yeah, one-shot kills, which sucked because he had the gun that would just automatically vaporize you in one shot, mm-hmm. which he talked about it, I think, earlier in the game, too. I can't. I don't remember if he... He monologues. He yeah, yeah, he monologues. Yeah. There's also um there's also a there's also a pretty blatant Duke Nukem reference among beyond all the ones that did occur um when they're in the digital corporate office there's a advertising standee for a game called Nuke Winter and it's the cover art for Duke Nukem 3D basically and okay. um QA makes a joke about uh Matt and QA observe the standee and QA goes uh oh don't worry about him They've been working on him forever. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. Little do they know. He was actually right it was like right around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly. Not worth the waiting on that one. Nope. Nope. But then you go ahead, you Oh, at right before the, the fight, Wallace kills QA. Yep. Spoilers. If you didn't notice, we are spoiling pretty much everything. So it's <laughs> called the spoils. Why are you listening? <laughs> But yeah, he kills QA, which I was, it actually got me on that one. I was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, sure. Like, because they had the whole monologue about not sneaking up behind someone mm-hmm. to kill him that's just wrong. And, and then he, then she yeah. immediately got shot right as soon as she said that. I was like, all right, you got me. Touche. <laughs> but Why yeah, the, you? Despite, despite everything, Matt defeats Wally with. Dexter's help towards the end there. He like distracted him or, or something. And then you go into the the scene that you talked about earlier, the edited to do uh edited due to violent content. Um, which I thought was it was really too. funny because it was like it was like over a minute long. Mm-hmm. And like it was just every type of sound effect you can think of. Leaves it all up to your imagination. It um they did something similar to that in uh Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Yes. There's a great fight scene that happens entirely off camera. So I'm I'm up for gags like that. I enjoy yeah. that. Yeah, it was it was one of those things like, okay. Because there, like we talked about, there was no blood in it, so of course there wasn't gonna be anything ridiculously violent uh mm-hmm. in the game. But like it cuts right back to it and it just looks like they were just standing there in front of each other the whole time, like nothing happened. Yep. <laughs> what I think was the cherry on top of the whole thing is that as Matt walks over to Wally he goes, I'll be right back. I'm about to get the beating Wally to death with my bare hands trophy. We get the graphic that says edited out due to content. And then after it's over, you unlock an achievement called beat Wally to a 
beat Wally to death with your bare hands. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, just, it's great. It was like it's, it's the so same great. exact thing that he said. You get you get the trophy for it. So I was the, like, the okay. achievements. The achievements in this game are great too. You 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 pause it for the first time. They give you an achievement. You mm-hmm. shoot somebody like all the expected kind of things they just give you an achievement for in a kind of like jokingly pandering way like oh you did it good job here you know after you defeat wally um you get a cut scene now showing uh qa's real form which turns out that he's a guy uh max is a little disappointed about it his name was quentin Quentin A. Myers, which QA stood there at the beginning, he was actually the programmer on Matt's early games. So I was like, yes. okay, like you kind of brought it full circle. But he bought forty nine percent, forty nine percent of the shares for the company, the Mega Monolith MegaSoft. Yeah, these names are just ridiculously I know. hard for me to pronounce. All, all the bad people in the game have the most ridiculous names. <laughs> are, are you sure it's Monolith? I thought it was Marathon MegaSoft. Oh, that's probably what it is. Marathon. Yeah. I was saying, oh, yeah. I said it earlier. Monolith's, and I was oh, like, Monolith's an actual developer. I'm sorry. I keep saying <laughs> that. They, they are, they're an actual developer, Monolith. Yeah. So in the game, it's Marathon Megasoft. So if Wesley ever left or got, you know, stepped down from his role, he would actually be able to take over the company then. So what he decided that he's going to do now is bring back all the classics, which is going to start by making a new Matt Hazard game. It's a Deus Ex Machina for yeah. the ages yeah and then they say the matt's like all right well you know what that means it's hazard time <laughs> that's exactly how he says it <laughs> yep it, it's exactly that's word for it's word the, the line. and he, he even says it in like not even like a reassuring way like or like in his catchphrase way he's just like all right it's hazard time like he's just like over it now yep but did you stay long enough for the post credit scene so you must not have um I think I, I think I skipped it originally, and um, I didn't get around to uh, looking for it again in the in the replay. But what uh, what happens after the credits? So Wellesley, sorry, not Wesley from earlier. Wellesley uh, is reduced to a video game store clerk at, oh. a, at his father's company, Zap Games, which looks like a certain other video game uh, store that's out on the market, like the kind you might uh, find in the mall. Now, the one that you would stop by every now and then. Mm, for games? Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. The kind of place that would, um, you know, buy back a game that's a week old for, like, 25 cents? Uh, maybe a little bit more if there's a trade-in deal going well, on. Well, with store credit, yeah, maybe. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Still going on about he has a grudge for Matt Hazard, and he's really angry and stuff like that. And he's going putting new games out on, like, the release shelf. And the last game that he puts up is Eat Lead. Ah. So it's like, oh, the entire, they made a game off of everything that he just did. And it's the game. And uh, ha ha ha. So meta. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, playing through it again and kind of watching everything, you know, from when I first played it. Because I played it back. I mean, I, I was a little late to the game i probably played it a year or so after it came out because it it dropped pretty quick in price because no one cared cared about it much yeah playing through it again though like it was fun now it was a lot of run into this room shoot everybody run into the next room shoot everybody door opens proceed but that's what all of those games were when they came out like there was that 
that time frame that we just had the same type of game being released over and over and over again. So to say that like, oh, well, this is horrible because it's just like those games. Yeah, but those games continue to still do that. Right. Um, I think it's very much a game that's more enjoyable for its story than for its gameplay. And I get what you're saying. Like, it's taking pot shots at everybody. So it's not going to like, obviously, they're not going to develop a game that's on par with Gears of War when the entire point of using like a third person shooter type of gameplay is to like commentate on things about it. Like, you know, like how Matt has to do an entire tutorial for chest high walls that he has to duck behind. And he's Mm -hmm. like, "Ugh, like you act like I don't know how to like take cover. So yeah, it's not a completely polished game, but I am a little bit more, I'm a little bit more lenient with this title than I would be with others because I think that's just part of the joke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Like, it's not long. Like, it's not, it's never drawn out. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. sure, a level may be kind of like cookie cutter, but you're not in it forever. Um, When the reviews came out, I mean, they were kind of mixed across the board. You were Mm -hmm. looking at like four out of tens and five out of tens. And I think the highest was like like a 6.7 out of 10 or something. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think Metacritic, it's currently sitting at a 55, which for this type of game and when it came out, it came out pretty late in the game to still get a score that high it was shocking yeah uh, when i saw it but i mean overall i had fun playing it i laughed a lot at it you can tell um games like the deadpool game got a lot of inspiration from this it's also something to consider whether this is true or not but i'm just gonna throw it out there to what degree was wreck it ralph influenced by this game Mm -hmm. i don't think much but it's it's i i mean uh, probably not a lot given mm-hmm. that like this game as you said and it did it did kind of disappear very quickly so the odds that like disney saw this and used any ideas from it but it's just very amusing in that like you know characters can actually you know perish in their games under the right circumstances right and, yeah you know they have a degree of self-awareness and transporting between games uh it you know like it beat record ralph to the punch on that a couple years ahead not in the same manner but uh the same style of commenting on video games as a form of entertainment you know yeah did you ever uh play the sequel well no i I only became aware of the sequel in doing research for this episode um it was a ps store slash xbox live arcade Mm -hmm. 2d shooter yeah uh, i believe i didn't do much research on it right i thought it had something to do very similar to like contra I could be mistaken. It's basically styled like that from what I saw. Um, okay. The plot is that Duke goes back and... <laughs> I already called him Team Duke. Matt goes back in time to his first games to stop villains that are trying to erase him, like, basically from the past upwards. Okay. So it's a Contra-style game. They, they basically handle everything that Matt would have been in a 2D manner with. Mm-hmm. So... Apparently that received mixed mixed views as well. I'm gonna actually after this see if it's still on the store. I don't even know if yeah. it's available, but I thought that was interesting. That when I saw the title to it, that was the Matt Hazard Bloodbath and Beyond. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, you're gonna continue just the parroting thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that that came out January 2010. So that came out oh, like less okay. than a year, less than a year after the actual game. Okay, so you can assume that they maybe thought Matt Hazard would have a long kind of lifespan as a character. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he didn't though. So I wanted to ask you, like, why, why do you think this game has been forgotten? Oh man, I, I think it just got lost in the shuffle. Like I said, it came out at the same time that a lot of other big titles were coming out. And it's very similar to a lot of those AAA titles that got released. This came out on multiple platforms. Mm-hmm. And I I don't think it came out at $60 when it was released either. So going back to a conversation that we had on the 3 to Play Games podcast, if you see a game out in the stores that is you know, $30, $40 and it gets, it's a brand new release game, People are easy to think that, you know, there's there's not a lot of quality behind this game. Right. It's like releasing a movie without screening it for critics. If you release a game at a low price and people aren't aware of the reasoning behind it, it's like, hmm, it's already already discounted, huh? Must yeah. not be good. Yeah. I think there was a little degree of, I want to say poor timing to it. Um, it's like... The majority of what is being parodied is obviously like Duke Nukem as a character. And you obviously had the generation of gamers in our age range who came up and were able to like get these jokes. But I think at that point, Duke Nukem had kind of faded so far out of the gaming culture awareness that a parody of him wouldn't have like, it just couldn't land as hard because it's like, why are you making fun of a guy that most people have forgotten about already? You know, like it's a little bit of a bummer. I also think, and you may disagree with me on this, so in its mechanics, it's a parody of third-person shooters. And, like, if you kind of consider Resident Evil 4 the genesis of the modern over-the-shoulder third-person game that we got, it only really been, like, five years since that subgenre had been, like, sweeping, you know, around. Like, you had... I think Gears of War 2 also came out later in 2009. But I think, like... How do I put it? I know it's like really something really weird to focus on, but in terms of being a parody of that type of gameplay, if Eat Lead had come out, maybe it's just a couple years later where it could fully look at what third-person shooters have become and put more of its jokes into that, I think it would have been a little bit more successful. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree with what you're saying. It. I think it came out at the wrong time, like I said earlier. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things like... It could have worked. It could have worked really well if it would have just came out maybe a little bit earlier or a little bit later in its time frame. But it was I think it was just released at the worst time possible. Yeah. Just buried by everything else or yeah. kind of a victim of circumstance in other ways. One one thing, I mean, the game didn't do horrible. No. I mean, sales-wise, yeah. Yeah, I would I would say it wasn't it wasn't received that great. But it received a nomination in the 2009 Spike Video Game Awards. It won best. Uh, did it win? Did it win best comedy game? I think I read that it did. It won. It won best comedy game, but it was nominated also for best cast. Which you had, like I said, you had three main characters. You had you had Will Arnett, you had Neil Patrick Harris, and then you had uh, um, Olivia. What was her name? Uh, Olivia Hack. As who QA. actually? Yeah, as QA, she was the voice of Phoebe. In Hey Arnold. Nice. I was like, oh, okay. Like, she does a lot of voice acting. She was also uh, one of the Brady sisters in the Brady Bunch movies. Oh, nice. <laughs> so okay. Just to give you a, a little uh, back back history on her as well, if you guys didn't know who she was. So, Tom, hmm? would you recommend this game to anybody? I'd recommend it as a nice little laid-back comedic gaming experience. I think it's... An imperfect but unique little title, and 
I think it's worth playing. It, it, it's brisk. It's breezy. Like I said, it's got a really funny story. Not entirely great in its mechanics, but it's fun. It's it's a fun time to have, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. See, talking about it, I think this is going to be more than enough for somebody to go back and play, or not not go back and play, but this this is all they would probably need. It's just us to talk about it and think about now if they if they want to they can mm-hmm. they can you know if they're like oh you know what these these guys here talking about this game that I've probably never heard of or completely forgot about it sounds interesting I'm gonna go back and try to catch all these little things that they're talking about honestly I don't think I mean I was like struggling trying to get through this game because like it was it was a rinse wash repeat every single level was the same now there was some nice creative things that i haven't seen in any other game in any other game at the time but there's just been plenty of games that have come out since then that has done the same exact thing better like i I mentioned earlier the deadpool game if you want a really funny third person you know action shooter and that's kind of a beat-em-up at the same time i would prefer going somewhere along those lines it's a great game still i mean I enjoyed playing it years ago. Now, I like I said, it, it took a lot for me to get through it. Okay. Oh yeah, to each their own. It just, I guess it depends on your uh, your tolerance ratio. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly, if I had a score a game out of ten, I'd probably give it a five. Five out of ten. <laughs> Which, good narrative, bag. Yeah, good narrative eh, gameplay. So yeah, fifty yeah. fifty. You know. Yeah, fifty fifty. One day the clock will strike hazard time again. Don't. Why did you have to say that? <laughs> it's it's hazard o'clock, Josh. Oh, okay. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. You can find episodes of The Spoils, as well as our main show, 3 to Play Games, on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Please be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter for episode updates and fun conversations on all things gaming. And until next time, it'll be... Josh, what time will it nah, be? I don't, I don't want to say it, Tom. Josh, Ta- I, Josh, what time I don't, don't want to say it. It'll be hazard time. Oh, he said it. <laughs> ah. <laughs>